Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Good to be back with all of our listeners once again. Great to be back in the program and open up God's Word as we have the opportunity to do each day. How blessed we are to have God's Word. How blessed we are to be able to get together in this kind of way over the airwaves of radio and freely and without fear of any kind of legal retaliation or reprisal or restrictions, teach the Bible. Teach God's Word. Teach about God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. You know, it's not that way in every part of the world. We've talked about that before. In some parts of the world, what we do here and search the Scriptures would be illegal. We would be banned from the airwaves as far as teaching God's Word is concerned. In fact, in some places in the world, we might face arrest just for teaching the Bible, even in a private setting, perhaps, but certainly in a public setting, out in the open, maybe on the street or whatever. No, we're really blessed in this country. We have open access to God's Word, and we can freely meet together to worship God and study Him and give Him glory and praise and honor. How sad it is that so many people hardly ever take advantage of these blessings and these privileges. Why do you suppose that is? People have put God out of their mind to a great extent. And certainly the idea of serving him in a dedicated fashion through the church, just not in their thinking, hardly at all, if at all. How sad that is, how unfortunate, because they're missing so much of what could be tremendous blessings in their lives. And then a whole lot of people taking that kind of approach to life without open and consistent commitment and dedication to God. So many of those people wonder why life has brought them such sorrow, so much heartache, so much difficulty. They need to get into God's Word. As we keep saying, faith comes by hearing the Word of God, Romans 10 and verse 17. We need faith. That begins with getting into God's Word. And as your knowledge of His Word grows, your faith should grow. And as your faith grows, your desire to come closer to God should grow. And ultimately, it should lead you to make up your mind that you want to walk with God that you want to be with him, and not just in this life, but forever in heaven. And so it should lead you to make that commitment by coming to him through Jesus Christ, his son and your Lord and Savior, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism, through which the blood that he shed on the cross cleanses you of the guilt of your sins and redeems you from the condemnation of sin. You're reborn spiritually, as Jesus told Nicodemus has to happen in John chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. You're made a new creation, as Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Oh, how blessed you are to get to start over again, to get a new beginning, and to be assured that as you walk with God faithfully, you will have eternal life with him in heaven. And that is forever.
what blessing God has offered to us and how we need to grasp it and hold on to it, cherish it, and share it with others. At the end of the program, we're going to give you, give you the information by which you can contact us, and you can ask for a free Bible study that we always offer. We have sent it literally all across the country. It is taken right from the scriptures, a lot of scriptures right there in the text of the study, and it will teach you about God. It will teach you about Christ, your Savior, God's Son. It will teach you about sin and forgiveness, about salvation. It'll teach you about the church and about Christianity and about heaven and eternal life. It will teach you how to live the best life with the greatest hope in this life on this earth. It's free. That study is always free. All you have to do is ask for it. We'll even take care of the postage. We'll also give you the opportunity to ask for a copy of today's program on CD. And again, that's free. And again, we'll take care of the postage. All you have to do is ask. So have that pencil or pen and piece of paper ready. And at the end of the program today, jot down that information and then contact us and ask for those free materials. Today we're going to continue our study looking at Genesis chapter 3 primarily, and the title of our study is Everything Changed One Day. Everything Changed One Day. In our first two programs, we talked about how God created everything we see in this world. He created form to this earth. He separated the dry lands from the waters. And all life that we see, God created within those six days of creation, Genesis chapter 1. We noted how, as you come to verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1, God made man absolutely unique from everything else that he had created, from all other life. In that, God created us in God's own image after his likeness. Now again, we're not talking about physical uh, similarity because God is spirit and we are physical we are flesh. So what is God's appearance as a spirit in the form of a spirit? We don't know. So I don't think it's that kind of understanding that we're supposed to get from he created us in his own image and his likeness, because again, he's spirit, we're flesh. But he created us in his likeness in that he created us with a soul that is eternal, a spiritual being within our fleshly body. And in that unique way, he created us different from everything else that he had created. And so it should not be surprising that in, in uh, verse 26, he says, let them have, that is mankind, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So we're unique we're different, we're special in the way that God created us, again, with a spiritual being within our fleshly body, created us with an eternal soul, and he placed us in a position of dominion over all the rest of the life, in fact, over all the earth that he had created. We're unique, created in his image. Now, we noted that 
when he began with man. He placed him in the Garden of Eden. And in that garden, he planted or created, it says, verse 9 of Genesis chapter 2, God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. Now he also had in the garden the tree of life. It was in the midst of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we talked about why did God, if the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was so potentially destructive to the well-being of mankind spiritually, why did God allow that tree to be in the garden? Well, he did, I think we're to understand, because he created us with a moral compass. He created us with a soul. He created us in his image, after his likeness, with the ability to understand and recognize right from wrong and good from evil. And he created us with the ability to make our choices. God wants us to love him as much as we're able to love him as he loves us. So he doesn't want us to be programmed to not be able to choose anything but right and goodness over wrong and evil. He wants us to make those choices out of a moral responsibility and out of love for him. And so there's the choice right there in the beginning, right there in the garden. And he created the man and he created a special companion for the man and that's woman. He brought them together as husband and wife. Now, someone might say, where does it say she was his wife? Verse 24 of Genesis chapter 2. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And this is in reference to God creating the woman from the rib of the man and bringing her to the woman. And it's pronounced as marriage in verse 24. Now, we noted we talked about, we just kind of wondered a little bit and speculated, maybe dreamed, imagined what it must have been like in that garden for the man and the woman to be together in that probably closest thing to paradise on earth that this world has ever seen. How wonderful it must have been. The absence of all evil, the absence of all sin, no sin had taken place, no evil, no consequences of sin or evil in their life. It even says in verse 25, at the end of chapter 2, after they are pronounced husband and wife, and they were both naked, the man and his wife, and they were not ashamed. Why were they not ashamed? Because they were innocent. They were not sinners. There was no sin. And so they were together, and they were naked, unashamed, innocent, living in innocence. And then as chapter 3 begins, and we read the first six chapters, here the devil appears in the scene, in the form of a serpent. And he's conniving. He can outright lie. He can distort the truth, he can deceive. And he uses his wiles upon the woman, luring her to eat of the fruit 
of the one tree that God said, Do not eat of it, for in the day that you eat of it you shall die. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 17. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 6, the devil works on Eve, and he convinces her that if she will eat of the fruit of that tree, that she will change. Well, she certainly would change and did. But he makes it sound like it's going to be a great change. She's going to be like God, knowing good from evil. Well, she certainly would come to know good from evil in a whole reality that she had never experienced. But it would not be a good reality. It would not be a good transition. So in verse 6, when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and the tree desirable to make one wise, so the devil told her and she believed, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her and he ate. And in that moment, on that day, everything changed. That's not an overly dramatic statement at all. It's the reality of the matter. In that moment, on that day, everything changed. Now remember how we had read at the end of chapter 2, in verse 25, after God had created the woman and brought her to the man, and that was the institution of marriage, it said that they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. You see, they were innocent. They had never experienced sin. But verse 7 of chapter 3, after they, eat, after they ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it says, then the eyes of both of them were opened. Now that doesn't mean that they were living with their eyes shut. But it means that all of a sudden, a new reality dawned upon them, a new perception their eyes, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. The innocence was gone. Now they were sinners. They could be together before in their nakedness and not be ashamed because they were innocent. Now they were sinners. And they saw things from a totally different perspective and reality. Now, the next thing that happened is very stark as well. In verse 8, the text goes on. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Now, could you imagine trying to hide from the omniscient God, all-seeing, all-knowing? But they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Hid themselves. Why? Because again, in that moment, on that day, when they ate of that forbidden fruit, 
everything changed. Shame came into their lives. They were no longer innocent. They were sinners. And they were afraid to be in the presence of God. The Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Afraid because he was naked. Apparently he had not been afraid because he was naked prior to this. But again, now he was a sinner. The innocence was gone. Verse 11 says, God speaking here, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Oh, I don't think God had to ask. I think God knew the moment they ate of that fruit. The moment they disobeyed God. The moment they rebelled against his instructions. God knew. But they needed to fess up. They needed to confess their sin. Now think about They heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Huh. Again, that's intriguing to me. It sounds like that perhaps they had a very close and personal relationship with God. Could be in his very presence. The idea that they fled from his presence and hid from his presence would seem to indicate that they commonly enjoyed, experienced, being in his presence. But not on that day. No, they were sinners now. And so they fled. Why did you flee? I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. How did you know you were naked? God said. Well, again, what does Adam say? The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. (laughs) Adam blames it on the woman. Blames his decision, his sin, on his wife. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me and I ate. Well, she doesn't take responsibility either. The devil did receive her, uh, deceive her. He deceived her, and he deceived her in the form of a serpent. But she was responsible for making the decision to disobey God, to eat of the fruit which he told her not to eat. He had already said, in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. She rebelled against God, against his instructions, and she sinned, and she became a sinner. Disobeying God is sin. And she became a sinner. Adam did the same thing. Oh, he might have tried to blame his sin on Eve. He actually tried to blame it on God there. Notice how he puts it. The woman whom you gave to be with me, <laughs> she, made, she gave me of the tree and I ate. Uh, it didn't work. Adam was responsible for his own decision. Adam was responsible for his own sin. It wasn't his wife's fault that he sinned. It wasn't God's fault because he gave the woman to him and she was used by the devil to tempt him to sin. 
Adam made his own choice. And boy, people today, they try to explain away, they try to get away from being responsible for their own choices, bad choices. Adam made his own choice. Again, he was created with a moral compass. He was created with a spiritual being within his fleshly body. He was created with a soul. He understood right from wrong. And he chose wrong. He chose disobedience to God. And he violated God's instruction. Now judgment quickly is pronounced by God. And we'll start to look at that in our next program. I want you to think, though, about how we're beginning to see everything unfold that is our reality today because of sin. Adam made his choice. Eve made her choice. And a whole lot of people today, they want to say, well, it's my choice. Nobody else's choice. It's my choice, whatever I do. How many husbands have ruined the lives of their spouses and their children because they made their choice to go out and drink and carouse and gamble away their income and leave their poor wife and children scrambling to try to make ends meet and have enough food to feed themselves and that guy who put them in that position. How many people have tried to excuse themselves for becoming alcoholics, being hooked on drugs because it's my choice. I can do with my life what I want. Or how many people have put themselves into a position of ungodly sexual relations because it's their choice. Nobody else. Their choice. Well, as we will continue to see, when we make bad choices, I'll suggest to you that almost every time there are consequences on other people. And that would certainly play out to be the reality from the bad choice that Adam and Eve made in disobeying God and becoming sinners. And we'll see that as we continue this study. Everything changed one day. In just a moment, we'll tell you how to contact us, write down that information, and then please follow through and contact us. It can make an eternal difference in your life. We hope to hear from you right away. 